This is a very serious podcast. Hello, and welcome to Splank Nicks. This is Hannah. I am a uh, I'm a theater professional and an author and um an artist and artist. I I feel weird saying I'm joined by, but I am joining my my mother Claire T Walker, who is a independent author. And what else do you say about yourself? Well, that's it. I'm kind of a one-trick pony. You've got, you know, you're a theater professional. You're an actor, writer, director, producer, uh-huh. artist. I can fold a fitted sheet. See, I can't even do that. I can I can write things. I can moonwalk. Yep. Yep. So this is the, our multi-talented mm. host is going to lead, take the lead in this episode. I do a fantastic ostrich impression, although Teresa does it better. Now, yeah, your sister's ostrich impression is, I think, better. Hers is better than mine. You're right. She's mostly legs. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So recently I have been directing Richard II by William Shakespeare. And this put me into a a rabbit hole of researching, firstly researching Richard II, and then um also researching five, six, or seven or eight kings before him as well. And and I found this amazing documentary. It's called the uh, it's called the Timeline series, and I'll we can link it everything i'll send it to you okay but i watched the one about richard ii and it was so good that i went back because it was the fourth in a four-part series about the the plantagenet kings we're going to talk about the monarchs of england welcome to splanknicks the society for the preservation of literature the arts numinosity culture humor <laughs> nerdiness Inspiration, creativity, and storytelling. We start with Henry II. We should keep in mind that there are two major groups of kings before that. There Um, there were the Saxon kings, which are like in the 800s, like the time Mm -hmm. of the Vikings and all that. Vikings and Danes and Welsh chieftains. They go from 827 to 1066, which is a very important date. Mm -hmm. But it's like all these guys, Athelwolf and Alfred the Great and Edward, Edred, Edwig, Edgar, Athelstan, Edward the Martyr, Edward the Confessor is one of the Saxon kings. And so the last of the Saxon kings, Harold II, was defeated by William the Conqueror at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Mm-hmm. William the Conqueror is the first of the Norman kings, and the reason they're called, the, he and his progeny and, and heirs are called the Norman kings is because William was originally the Duke of Normandy, which is across the English Channel in France. France. So he claimed that he, and not Harold II, was rightful heir to the throne, so he invaded, he won, he got the throne. Mm-hmm. And they went through several of the kings until, um, well, get your mug, what does it say? It was William the First, William the Second, Henry the First, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. Okay, so William the First, William the Second, Henry the First, and then Stephen. Stephen. Yeah, and then Henry the Second is the one who he's the first of the Plantagenet kings. I think so. It says yeah. he's one of the Normans, though, in my book here. It oh, says Henry okay. the Second, and then his two sons who became king after him: Richard the Lionheart, and then King John. Mm. Okay. That says that they're Normans as well. Oh, really? But That's interesting. We'll have to maybe look up what actually happened there. Yeah, why is there a dispute there? So, William the Conqueror, it's been 90 years since William the Conqueror took England. Okay. 
The uh, rightful queen, named Matilda, had lost the throne to her cousin, Stephen, and her son, Henry Plantagenet, returns to England. He's been living in France. And a year later, Stephen is dead and Henry has been crowned Henry II. He took over real quick. Mm. This sort of establishes the way that he, the way that he rules. So he besieged this guy named Hugh Mortimer, his castle, Whitmore Castle. Mortimer had to surrender. So Henry takes the castle from him and then he gives it right back to him. So basically saying, you have power, but only because I allow it. Mm. So there's all of these, all of these, all the lords and the nobles who were, who were loyal to, loyal to Stephen. Because of that, Henry promotes educated commoners to positions as clerks. And among these are Thomas Beckett. He has just commoners as his advisors. He gives them high positions. In 1161, the um, Archbishop of Canterbury dies. And the church thus far had been sort of above the law. Sort Mm. of they had their own law, kind of. And so Henry wasn't in control of the church at all. And so he, through um, sort of like, I guess, coercion and, and bullying, um, had Beckett made the new archbishop. And um, Beckett wasn't even like a, a bishop or a priest or anything. But he had him made a bishop so that he could have control through his buddy, Beckett, basically. Mm. And then Beckett converted to Catholicism and started to take his job as um, as archbishop seriously and started to defy Henry. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so... So he takes this position as almost like a sinecure, almost like a like a like political graft almost. Yeah. But then he actually converts and he's like, I actually believe this stuff. Yeah. And it's sort of a and, just plot twist. Henry has his eldest son crowned king in waiting. He's the young king. Mm-hmm. Usually the uh, jo- the archbishop's job is to crown the monarchs. Mm. So, Which we just saw. If anyone who watched the, the mm. coronation of Charles III would have seen that. Mm-hmm. Archbishop of Canterbury did that. Yeah. And Becket was conspicuously not invited to the coronation. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, Becket, in response, excommunicated all of the clerics involved in the coronation. <laughs> wow. He excommunicated all of them. Henry got mad, obviously. So he said some bad things about Becket. His men... Um, his knights interpreted this as an order to go and kill Becket. So they go and they murder him in the cathedral in front of all of these other church uh, officials and stuff. Yeah. People start to question if Henry is a fit king. If he's just going to go go around, murder the archbishop just because he wants to. So Henry goes to Ireland on campaign. This is what you do when you're having issues. You just go to another country for a little bit. <laughs> and he left Henry Jr., his son, the king-in-waiting, mm-hmm. he left him in England with basically no source of revenue, and the kingdom is in care of these bureaucrats. Usually, the king will give the the, the prince some land, and then the, the prince gets revenue from that place. But Henry didn't do that for his son. Having the reins of power was very important to him, and just like being in control of everything. He didn't give his son even a little bit of control over, like, one area. He had to have it all under his control. Henry, the eldest, he is left with no money. He has to, like, beg for loans from bureaucrats. 
Wow. If you can imagine. If I can insert a little aside here, mm-hmm. there have been, uh, Henry II must have been a fascinating character because they, they made two movies about him. Mm-hmm. And the first was called Beckett. In yeah, I saw that. Didn't it have Peter O'Toole in it? Peter O'Toole playing Henry II. Yeah. And it's about his whole controversy with, with Thomas Beckett, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and notably um, the pilgrims in the uh, Canterbury Tales mm-hmm. are going on pilgrimage to the shrine of the martyr Thomas Beckett. The other movie that was made about Henry II is called Lion in Winter, 1968. The second was played by Peter O'Toole in that movie also. <laughs> what? Yeah, so just the reprises. Of- I guess Henry II's queen, Queen Eleanor. She is originally from France. She was married to the King of France. Is that Eleanor of Aquitaine? Yeah, oh. Eleanor of Aquitaine. Okay, and she left the King of France to marry Henry. Okay, who was ten years younger than her. She returns to Aquitaine with her son, Richard, and she finds that Henry has been giving away chunks of her land without her knowledge or permission. He's been giving it away as, like, favors to people in exchange for such and such, you know. Mm. Even though he married into these lands, they're not technically his. They're still hers. So she's obviously ticked off. (laughs) She and Richard start to think about, we should maybe get rid of this guy. Henry Jr. expects to be given this important castle. Prime land, lots of good revenue. Traditionally, the elder son is going to get this castle, Mm -hmm. right? But he doesn't. Instead, his six-year-old brother John gets it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the littlest brother. The littlest brother, John, instead gets this really, really important, like, strategically situated castle. So Henry Jr. has had enough of this. Yeah. He's a grown man crowned prince, king-in-waiting, has no source of revenue, no land. The castle that's supposed to be his has been given away to a (laughs) six-year-old. So he forms an alliance with King Louis VII, Eleanor's ex-husband. Eleanor and Richard are there as well, and that they all plot to overthrow Henry. Wow. Yeah. What about John? Obviously, he's too young to do that. John, obviously. no, he's hasn't just, done anything. He just, is the, he just has this castle. John's just toddle, toddling about around. in his, that, that big castle. All right, so this is really juicy. I know, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, Henry II, in order to like get favor back from the people, he does penance at the cathedral for Beckett's death. So he, he makes a pilgrim's walk barefoot on the rocks and the gravel all the way to the cathedral. And then... When he gets there, in the catacombs, right by Thomas Beckett's grave, these clergymen give him 300 lashes <laughs> as penance. Things start to turn around for him. He gets control back. He banishes Eleanor, and he publicly forgives his sons, Henry and Richard. Because mm-hmm. he's like, Eleanor, he's like, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't need you anymore, but my sons, I do. They're mm-hmm. my heirs. Mm-hmm. So he foils the plot to overthrow him, basically. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. In 1183, Henry Jr. dies of dysentery. Oh, so that's why Richard became the king, because he's the next oldest son. Well, Richard expects to be crowned, but he knows that John is Henry's favorite, because... Because he gave him the big, the best castle. Yeah, and also John never plotted to kill, to to, to (laughs) depose him. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Richard... Knows that John is probably going to be named. So he allies with King Philip of France, so the son of Louis VII at this point. Okay. And he rebels against Henry again. 
And about six years later, Henry rides to meet Richard. He has to be tied to the saddle of the horse because he's so weak and frail and sick. Oh, the old king. Henry the old II. king, Henry okay. II, yeah. yeah. And he agrees to his demands, and he swears revenge, but he dies two days later, and Richard is crowned. Richard I. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard I, Lionheart. Yes. And his brother, King John. There's a Shakespeare play about King John called... Yeah. King John. King John. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's also you can you can get a little bit of of this in the um, classic 1938 Errol Flynn movie Robin Hood, mm-hmm. The Adventures of Robin Hood, where Richard the Lionheart, you know, or, or Robin Hood and his band of merry men are loyal to Richard, King Richard, and right. King John is sort of this sort of upstart. He's sort of yeah taking the throne while Richard is away in the Holy Land on crusade. Mm-hmm. And you've got some just amazing performances with uh, you know Errol Flynn as Robin Hood, Basil Rathbone as Sir Guy of Gisborne. Oh and my god. Claude Rains. Claude as Rains? King John, as King John. Oh my. I am shocked. 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 To There's gambling tourist. here. Yeah. <laughs> You're winning, sir. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Mm-hmm. So, after King John, who he also he was not a great he was not a great king. After him is Henry III. Well, one of the main things about uh, King John is that mm-hmm. he was so bad that there was kind of a <gasps> The Magna Carta. He had to sign the Magna Carta That's basically right. to put some like rules in place here that kings cannot act like this. And Henry III had some gripes about the Magna Carta, basically, that he just, he couldn't do anything. He did build Westminster Abbey, though. I wrote at the end of my notes here, Henry III was kind of lame, but he left behind two big contributions, Westminster Abbey and Parliament. The Houses of Parliament? The mm-hmm. So the Magna Carta restricts the king's power. This is frustrating for him. In 1230, Henry... I, I, yeah, I forgot to tell you all of the like years and stuff because that really doesn't interest me that much. Mm-hmm. What year things happen? But <laughs> Henry befriends Simon de Montfort, a minor French noble and also a religious nut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Henry gives de Montfort um, his sister Eleanor in marriage. This is a different Eleanor. Mm. Probably named after Eleanor. Eleanor Eleanor not of Aquitaine. Eleanor not of Aquitaine, yes. So so they're brothers-in-law now. Okay. Simon de Montfort starts taking too many liberties, and so Henry banishes both him and Eleanor. Wow. What did Eleanor do? So Henry launches an attack in France, and it's going really, really badly. So he calls on de Montfort to help. And de Montfort shows up to aid him in the fight with all of his people. Okay. And it's still not enough. And Henry leaves the field and Simon explodes at him, comparing him to Charles the Simple, a terrible French king. That's just a fun fact there. (laughs) Like Henry just left the battlefield. And then later Simon comes up to him and he says, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Who are you? Charles the Simple? Somehow that blows over and Henry gives Simon a castle, Kenilworth. By 1246, all that Henry has left of France is this little area called Gascony, Mm. which is really funny because one of the other kings in a documentary, he had lost all of France except for Gascony. And I'm like, what's so special about Gascony? Like, what? I don't know. Is that the part of France that's directly across the the channel from England? Possibly. It is on the coast. The closest? It is on the coast. I suppose you could look that up. Yeah. Why bother right now? So Henry decides to invade Sicily for some reason. It's, it's the the person the the like commentator in the documentary was like 
this was a rather stupid move. We don't know why he did this. <laughs> Something like that. Um, he decides to invade Sicily, but he really doesn't have the money for it. The nobles are not going to give him the money for it or anything. So Simon and, and a bunch of other barons try to put him back in his place. Henry is forced to sign the Provisions of Oxford, which gives more power to the nobles um, to decide the country's affairs. Everyone swears an oath to abide by the provisions. Simon de Montfort, if you remember, he's a religious zealot and he won't break this oath, but he knows that Henry will. Probably because well, oaths don't mean anything to Henry. So, 1262, <laughs> Henry breaks the oath. There's a civil war. Henry and his son Edward are captured and Simon seizes power. Wow. Simon takes a bunch of money and land for himself and his family. It's not Henry III who comes back to reclaim the throne. It's actually his son, Edward, who escapes house arrest in Hereford and uh, catches up with Simon at Evesham. And in battle, he sends this 12-man hit squad with one job, find Simon de Montfort and kill him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they butcher his body and parade his head on a spear. Wow. So Edward, in order to build an army to get to to uh, rescue Henry, basically he had to agree to a bunch of the provisions that they wanted. The barons would have like control over various stuff. Yeah. So Henry then has to accept these provisions because Edward agreed to them in order to build this army. So yeah, Henry the Third was kind of a la- kind of lame, but he left behind Westminster Abbey and and Parliament. That's that's Henry the Third. Next time on a very serious podcast. So there should be a wedding feast for Edward and Isabella, but Edward spends the whole time talking to Gaveston and ignoring everyone else, including the new queen. Nice. These people named Hugh Dispenser and Hugh Dispenser, father and son. (laughs) Dispenser? What do you get out of a dispenser? Like Like a Pez? Pez? (laughs) Pez? (laughs) Tape? Soda. (laughs) Socks at the airport. The Splank Nicks Podcast is produced by Claire T. Walker and Hannah Kubiak. You can contact us by emailing splanknickspodcast at gmail.com. We welcome episode topic suggestions, personal anecdotes, and corrections for those rare occasions when we don't know what we're talking about. Visit SplankNext.com for show notes and transcripts of all our episodes. And follow us on Instagram at SplankNext underscore podcast. Claire T. Walker is an independent author with two self-published books, The Keys of Death and Startling Figures. Learn more about Claire and her books at ClaireTWalker.com.